Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes. With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. You know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Five o'clock hour. Battleborn Broadcast Center. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Candy. Cofield. 364-1100. Why am I throwing out the phone number at the start of the hour? We're going to take phone calls later because I think it's very important to get your feedback. But you know, hold off just a little bit. We're going to do the big five. But get your feedback on the reopening of Las Vegas, which from a sports standpoint, looks like much of it is going to open uh, right at the beginning of July. And you know we've got uh, announcements uh, about Garth Brooks and UFC wants to do a full house. And we had strip officials talking about Full houses, 100% capacity for the football season. So we'll get your reaction on the the reopening. And if you're ready, so file the number away, 364-1100. Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. I love driving on the I-15 at 9 o'clock at night. This will be interesting. Yeah, and later, and then about 6 a.m., get me off the road, because between then, it stinks. But I was driving uh, north to south and then south to north around that time. And, you know, I was kind of just, you know, every once in a while, it's nice to, instead of having to drive like a, you know, freaking lunatic, because uh, you know my approach, right, Candy? The best defensive driving is offensive driving. You can't get yourself in trouble if you're in control of the road. Well, I mean, that's that's 2021. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. Like, you have to go ahead and have the offense to compete. Uh, that said, I think I was a revolutionary because I was, I was thinking offense was always the way to win going back to about, oh, I don't know, uh, 1985 or 6 when I first took a driving lesson. And the driving instructor's like, do me a favor. You can't drive with one hand on the wheel. Like, oh, okay, that's right. 10 and 2. My bad. My bad. I got comfortable. So I was, uh, I was driving up and down the 15 last night. I was just kind of looking around, and, you know, I came up on Raider Stadium, and I'm like, ah, hey, it looks, looks cool at night. And, you know, then, you know, you get the, the, the quick look when you're going north. You, T-Mobile, the Fortress just kind of snuck in there. And, you know, as I was driving, I just happened to look over at all that's been kind of built around the Rio. And I was looking at where the Rio is, and I'm like, man. I know people are going to hear this and be like, well, you know, we already know this. But, you know, yeah, sometimes you actually look around. I'm like, my God, that's a lot of property. The rail really is built pretty far off of the 15. Well, you know, there's been the speculation that the, the Rio could be moved down the road. Uh, the thought would be, well, you know, hey, what about another major league team here in town? Baseball. And it just so happened last night, I saw some uh, jabroni from Fox Sports put up five potential cities for MLB expansion. Nashville, Montreal, Las Vegas, third, Charlotte, and then Portland is five. Um, I wish when people put out this list, they'd actually talk to the people on the ground in these cities. And I, I wonder how many people in those cities are like, yeah, we don't think we can support that. We don't want that. Now, I think most of the people listening to us are like, you know what? Bring it all, Candy. We'll take all of it. But I do think baseball is in an interesting position right now. Is baseball a business that you want to buy into 
as a city, especially if you already have two major league franchises. Overall, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I want major league teams if I can have major league teams, but maybe I'm being a little bit greedy, right? Maybe I'm looking at it as someone who lived here since 1989 and had no major league teams and thinks to myself, well, the business model seems to work other places where it didn't look great for a long time. Why can't we make it work? I could be on board with it. I don't want to keep us from getting the NBA, though. I don't want it to keep us from you know getting the NBA. That, I, that would suck. Of course it would, but the NBA, you at least already have a facility that's ready for it, right? Like you, no matter what they say, T-Mobile was built for and is ready for to host an NBA team. Where are you going to play Major League Baseball? That Rio land you're just talking about right there, who is going to pay to build that giant stadium? Uh, that's a whole other story. What if I told you, hey, if baseball is going to expand, let's be really forward thinking. Uh, you're embracing gambling even more. Uh, you're trying to generate more revenue. What if I said, you know what? Add all five and another team and add six teams. Is there a point where expansion is too much in a sport? Yeah, I think we've seen it. I mean, look, right now, you, you the one place that I would call the clear exception to what I talked about of let's expand and we'll figure out how to make it work is the state of Florida. Right, like you, you look at both the Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami Marlins, and it has been unmitigated disaster in both places. But when I look at the Sun Belt and say, okay, can they make it work in Arizona? Yeah, when that team has had a winner, they've made it work in Arizona. But taking six, six, I mean, I, I there are so many questions that come along with that in terms of competitive balance, in terms of playoffs, in terms of you know how much TV money is there to go around, like. That that's something. When you bring in more revenue, more TV money, you couldn't find, you know, six markets. The five I named, I'll, I'll say eight markets. You couldn't relocate those teams. Add another one. Have eight teams in in new and different cities. And if the bottom line is drawing, I mean, really, what's what? How does baseball make most of its money? Is it off the live gate or is it off the TV deals? Can you generate? more TV money by being in more markets. And let's say the baseline attendance is you'd hope to average 25 grand a game in all of these cities. Also shrink down stadiums. You don't need 45,000 seat baseball stadiums. Read off that list one more time of expansion cities. The cities are Nashville, Montreal, Las Vegas, Charlotte, and Portland. So not exactly the TV markets that are going to move the needle in terms of Fox or ESPN as partners looking at it and saying, oh, oh, you added Charlotte. Oh, well, you know, we got to come with more money now. And I'm trying being a little facetious about it. But in the end, you're talking about adding all fringy TV markets, including the Montreal market, which, you know, we've already proven once doesn't work. Now, when it comes to relocating teams, I mean, look, what's when's the last time we did this? The Nationals, right? We did this bringing the Montreal team to Washington. So is there potential for new markets for Major League Baseball? I absolutely believe that there is. Now, relocation, it's proven to be a hard sell with uh, with MLB. Could I wet your whistle by adding a third team in Southern California and a third team in the New Jersey, New York area? Would, would that get TV people fired up? Of course it would. Can there, I support mean, it? If you use your imagination, I'm not getting on you, but I mean... I wonder if you if you put a team if you put and when I'm talking about expanding LA and New York markets, 
if you put a team in the Inland Empire, which is like it, it's a top 30 market and you put a team in, say, New Jersey, actually for in the area that I grew up in, which is also a top 40 market. I think it would be attractive. So I don't know. We're, this is this is something I want to build on because we've had really good discussions with our pal Saran Patro out of Kansas City, who's like these leagues are so worried about the perception of a money grab that they they keep themselves from like actually making a smart money grab. And you know, because I I figured your comeback was going to be well, you did you did say uh, competitive balance. Like if people came at you and they're like, well, you know, Mike Trout would hit seventy five home runs. My response would be, who cares? I'm not even worried about Mike Trout hitting 75 home runs. Uh, the playoff issue is a bigger thing for me because Rob Manfred is already in this to try to expand the playoff to, what, 37 out of 32 teams? Oh, like, he's trying to make sure everybody gets in. We're there. We're there. He's, I he's, hate it. And I hate it. I don't want to go any farther than we've gone. And if we want to talk TV, let's look at last year. Last year, the World Series was down 32% in terms of TV ratings. And we're talking about a World Series in which people had been starved for baseball all right. year long, and you had the Los Angeles Dodgers of all teams in yep. it, and nationally down 32%. So this comes back to the beginning of my conversation. Does Vegas really want to buy into the sport of baseball? You're, you're making the suggestion on multiple fronts that, eh, baseball is okay right now, but maybe there's not that bright a future. I'm making the argument for Vegas that because of the growth of sports gambling and the, the widespread acceptance of sports betting, that there's potential for Major League Baseball here that I don't even think I saw three or four years ago. I didn't think this market could support a hockey team, very honestly. I didn't think this market would turn out to support a team that was going to play 41 games a year. I thought the NFL made sense. Yeah, can you get them out eight times a year? Sure, you can get them out eight times a year. And then Las Vegas turned out and blew my idea right out of the water by setting attendance records so yeah it might be different with baseball and having to fill 81 games but i do think in terms of the corporate money i used to think there wasn't enough corporate money to go around with the money that's being infused into sports betting right now that could change the equation number four seemed like an elongated topic that was going to go nowhere right but uh, there's some good discussions to be had which i will follow up on that baseball discussion and if baseball is something you want to buy into and if Vegas would want to be a baseball city, you know, put a stadium on that Rio site right there near the strip. If 20-somethings don't know the biggest names in baseball from 20 years ago, let's say nine years ago, did you see Anthony Edwards and his response that uh, A-Rod is part of uh, the ownership team and when they asked him about it anthony Edwards, a rookie out of georgia with the t-wolves said who is he oh i saw it and i loved every second so, of it so i ask you again how healthy is baseball when a 20 something is like i mean not, not only is was a rod a megastar when he played he's one of the most despised figures in recent sports history and the kid's like who Congratulations to Anthony Edwards, who, by the way, is all of 19 years old and doesn't know who Alex Rodriguez is. Because if I, as a 42-year-old man, could erase Alex Rodriguez from my memory, I would do exactly that. But I don't have the choice to do it the way Anthony Edwards has. Look, man, when it comes to Major League Baseball, they're going to ch chase the money. The money, as it goes with Major League Baseball, is still with old white dudes. So, yes, I would love for the next generation to get into baseball the way I grew up with baseball, but 
it's not likely, and it also has not stopped the sport over the last 20 to 25 years. Number three. We were talking a little UNLV football last hour, and you know, I was kind of giving a, a rosy picture of what I'm seeing at spring practice, some infusion of talent size on defense. It's actually been interesting talking to Marcus Arroyo. We didn't get to talk to him a whole lot last year because of the pandemic, and uh, I like what he has to say on, on the culture of the program. And I learned something last year with Arroyo that um, he's not super uh, big on pointing out individuals and, and talking at length about his individuals. And there's a lot of coaches like that. Um, but not every coach is like that, right? Um, I saw Dave Aranda recently. We actually just talked about this the other day with uh, Q Myers, who does radio in Waco, and and Aranda tackled the subject, and it's not a comfortable topic. He, he tackled the subject of being competitive and, like, what the environment is now at Baylor. I know you're a – and by that, I mean, you know, the, the women's basketball program is outstanding. The men's just won a national title. I know you, you liked what Aranda was saying. Deep dive, right? I mean, really deep dive with Dave Aranda in The Athletic. And what I loved about it was that Dave Aranda gave us a window into the way he approached the job. That the man was confident enough about who he is and about who he's becoming as a football coach that I want to read this directly to make sure that we we understand just the kind of self-confidence it takes to do this. He said, I've never said hey, this is what I want. Do it this way. Do it my way. I don't think I've ever uttered those words, and I really kind of still haven't now. Wow. That's a Division One football coach. That's how they make their lives. And he, he was asked how well things are going compared to last year. He went on uninterrupted for 17 minutes, talked about his own introversion, the need to be more assertive. He said, I don't know. Some of these things are probably way deeper than maybe they need to be, but that's always where I've lived. I've always lived on the surface. I've always lived down deep so what i loved about that with dave veranda is that we like to understand especially in the COVID year when we didn't have access to the coaches we didn't have access to the players we like to understand what makes guys tick we like to understand what's behind the personalities that we see or in the case of a guy like marcus arroyo the personalities we don't see the average person who follows unlv football has not the faintest idea of who Marcus Arroyo is as a person. The most prominent thing they probably know about him is that he blocked Tyler Bischoff on Twitter. And so that's not anybody's fault, but it's to say that a guy like Dave Aranda letting us in proves to me the theory that I've had about (laughs) any job in life for a long time. You gotta be really good or you gotta be really nice. And if you happen to be both, Congratulations. You'll be there for a long time because you're Lon Kruger. But if you don't happen to be either of those things, and last year Marcus Arroyo was not really good, and the impression we got from his limited media sessions was that he was not really nice, well, Dave Aranda was not very good last year, but he at least went for the, I'm very nice and I'm going to let you in and let you understand the way I'm trying to grow as a coach. I will counter with, I don't believe that Marcus Arroyo wasn't nice but he was very guarded he was in a new market it was a a a weird challenge to undertake and yes he did not open up open up enough for uh for a lot of people to learn to learn a whole lot about him yeah i'm not saying i don't want it to be interpreted as it was the opposite of nice it was rude it just wasn't anything like like there was nothing there It, it 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 to me had a it had a teddy ruxpin feel to it where like 
you could just put the tape into the back and press play and coach cliches came out and you're like, oh, cool. Like that's football coach Teddy Ruxpin. Number two. I don't have a counter for Teddy Ruxpin, but uh, <laughs> interesting reference. Top two stories in the big five. Uh, all right. Well, we're in this weird zone now. Things are opening up. Uh, at the same time, we have some areas of the country that are still not doing well in terms of COVID positives. Now, hospitalization, serious illness. Um, I'm not sure that that's spiking. Candy, you could probably tell me uh, better than, than I know from a number standpoint. Um, but it's going to you know, be interesting here as people adjust uh, because there are so many people out there who are like, hey, I didn't get it. And when I got it, it was mild. And when my family members got it, nothing happened. So I think there's a lot of people convinced what was the big freaking deal? But there are people who had really bad experiences with it. And that includes young people. And we've talked about several athletes who have mentioned their experience of COVID post-COVID that there's, they're like, man, I'm still not past this. This affected me. We've talked a lot about the fact that the Boston Celtics have not been a great team over the second half of this year. They just have gone straight down. And we look at it and we say, well, Brad Stevens, right? Maybe Brad Stevens just wasn't the coach that we thought he was going to be, right? Okay, maybe. Maybe Brad Stevens has something to do with it. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that their best player, a guy who we spent time in the bubble last year talking about, is Jason Tatum the best player in the NBA? Or is he going to be the best player in the NBA over the next 12 months? Jason Tatum came out this week and said that before every game, he has to take an inhaler to try to make sure he can get through the game because of the effects that he is still suffering after being infected with COVID-19. Oh we need to get out of the mindset right now that live or die is the only thing that happens when it comes to getting COVID. Because a guy like Jason Tatum is showing us that a young, healthy professional athlete is having a long haul effect of this to the point where he's still not right. Months past having this disease, he's still not right. So, yes, I understand that a lot of people, thank God, a lot of people who got this infection and this virus came out okay, had mild effects. More than half a million people died, and they weren't all old and sick. But you know what? There's a lot of people in between, like Jason Tatum, who are still having effects of it now. We're so close to getting people vaccinated and getting out of this the right way. Don't let this be the time when we let up. Number one. So big day yesterday for Las Vegas. Governor Sislak says, hey, the state's opening up on June 1st. There'll be a mask mandate. You've also got decisions that go to the county level. Uh, today, we find out that UFC, as you know, it intended, uh, is going to be rolling out a big card in the first week, whatever, first week and a half of uh, July and Dana White wants a crowd of, you know, upwards of 18, 19, 20,000. We've got Garth Brooks. That concert's going down around the same time over at the stadium. It's coming fast now, Candy. Is it too fast? Are you a little bit worried here that, and because it's a natural inclination, we've, we've all been bottled up for 13, 14 months. People are going to want to come out here like a freaking fire hose and just start going to stuff. Man, they already have. Look at last month when the state had to remind casinos about day clubs and say, hey, uh, by the way, 
you still have to enforce the social distancing and the mask mandate, right? Like everybody was desperate to get out there and start looking for companionship and have a good time. And I don't blame anybody. This has been a long, long year. It has been a long, lonely year. I love my dog, but he is not really the only companion that I'd like to spend an entire year with. And so I get it. People want to get out there and they want to be part of the crowd again. Just listen to what it sounds like during the NCAA tournament or during a baseball game when we have even a couple thousand fans in the stadium. It's awesome. It reminds us of where we're headed and where we should be headed. But 20,000 people a couple months from now, 20,000 people with no distancing and I'm going to put air quotes mask mandate because who's going to enforce that among 20,000 people? It feels like a lot too fast. And the thing from the governor, Steve, here's what's interesting. Every step along the way, the governor has said, well, there are triggers for how we're going to move to the next step based on the case numbers, based on how things are progressing. And he was asked yesterday, well, we're going to 100%. What are the triggers that we would you know, think about stepping back if things weren't going the right way? And they weren't there. There were no triggers, which says to me, we're not going back. And if medical science says we should at some point, and I don't want to be at that point. My God, I don't want to be at that point. I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. Ari's going to be vaccinated. Like, we all want to get out there. But would I take my vaccination and walk into a crowd of 20,000 people? Hell no. No way. Because, you know, Dan Jacobs was on earlier with us and said, well, the president said, Biden said, July 4th, that's our date. No, that's not what he said. What he said was, hopefully by July 4th, we can have small gatherings. We can have 10 people together. We can have a dozen people together. He didn't say anything about 20,000 people having no idea if those people have to prove vaccination or not, being in one arena for UFC, when a lot of those people could be coming from God knows where with God knows what case numbers. And it's our people. It is our people. It's our ushers. It's our food service workers. It's our security people who are the ones who have to suffer the after effects if, God forbid, something goes wrong. 364-1100 is the number. 364-1100. Your reaction to what Candy's saying? Are you on his side? Uh, you're going to have a July 10th where you could have upwards of 70,000 people at the stadium and in the fortress for UFC and Garth Brooks. Are you willing to go out there? Are you fired up to get out there? If you can get a hold of a ticket, are you going to do it? Or are you going to slow play it like Candy wants to and just say, you know, you know what? I'm going to bide my time. I'm going to wait. Watch your reaction. 364-1100. The Big Five at Five. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. 364-1100 is the number, 364-1100. Phones are open right now. We're reacting to the opening of Nevada, more specifically Las Vegas. It's Cofield, it's Candy, it's Ari. 364-1100, so 100% on June 1st. Mask mandate in place right now. Weird caveat in this whole thing is mask mandate, but no social distancing. So that should be uh, interesting at the venues at bars, concerts, who's going to police that with the mask? Because I don't think people are going to wear masks, especially out-of-towners, because they're going to be confused by the 100% and no distancing. So that's something we can address, 364-1100. But the, the bigger thing for us is sporting events and concerts, there's some big ones coming in July. 
And I think there's a lot of folks out there, Candy, who are not like you. Candy was just saying, you know what? I think I'm going to wait a little longer. I'm not really interested in getting out to those events. If there's, you know, 50,000 at the stadium for Garth and 20,000 at the Fortress for UFC, I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I, I'm ready to go. I don't want to hear this. What are you afraid of? What's the deal? But we should throw in. Um, I just got vaccinated for the second time. So that's the other thing. If you've been vaccinated with the first shot or the second shot, are you still going to worry about it? Are you not going to be comfortable going out to watch a concert with 50,000 at the stadium or 20,000 for a fight at the Fortress? 364-1100. Your reaction, 364-1100. Candy. So I don't know that I would say that I don't want to. I want to, but I won't. And you know what, man? If that makes me the uh, if that makes me the one guy out of my group of friends who won't be there, I'm cool. Like I've been cool with it for a year, and I'll be cool all the way through whenever it's truly safe out there. But the CDC right now is talking about the fact that our numbers suggest we're probably going into a fourth wave of this. That thank God won't be as bad. What? what, what? Thank a God won't wave. be as bad. A fourth, a fourth wave. wave. Really? Fourth. A fourth wave. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it either. What? Fourth wave. Go ahead, explain. Fourth wave. Just, just freaking. That the, that, that the numbers are look. That the case numbers are going up again, and thank God it's not going to be as bad, right? Like in terms of death, it's not going to be as bad because more people, especially more vulnerable people, sixty-five and older, have been vaccinated. Awesome, great. That doesn't cover everybody. And I know nothing is foolproof. You take a risk every time you drive your car. You take a risk every time you get on a plane. I get it. But when it comes to the risk that some people don't have a choice to take, that's a different story. If you're the one who's working these events, if you're the one who is working in the service industry and you want to be there and you want to do it and you want to take it on, okay, go for it. But there are a lot of people who are going to feel like they don't have a choice if they want to make ends meet. And there are a lot of people who are going to be put into that situation and they're going to have to go home to their families. They're going to have to go home to their more vulnerable relatives and they're going to have to take that risk. And that's not right. It's just not right. Well, we want to hear from people who work around town. Do you feel like you're being forced into something that you you don't want to be involved in in terms of getting the vaccine? If you're an anti-vaxxer, you don't feel safe about it. Uh, you're a little spooked out by it. Now your your hands being forced a little bit here. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Ario, load them up. We'll come back. We'll address what Candy's saying here, and I'll tell you, I'm on the fence about it about going to big events, but there will be an influence around me because I believe the SO will be like, we're going, and then that's another one. Hey, if you're a couple, you got to make a decision because I think everyone has uh, different tolerance levels and worries when it comes to uh, the pandemic, post pandemic, and getting back out and living life. Three six four eleven hundred. The phones are always open on Cofield and Company. Call 702-364-1100. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Las Vegas is opening up. It's coming. It's coming. 100% capacity June 1st. Could be even sooner if, uh, you know, at the county level. There are different decisions made. July is going to be a monster month. We're hearing, I, I heard an ad earlier for uh, 
concert at the Fortress. That's freaking awesome. Garth Brooks expected to be here July 10th. What, 40, 50,000 people in the stadium, 20,000 for a USC event. So what's your reaction? If you work in those venues and around town, are you cool with this? Uh, if not, are you cool going down? And, I mean, we're, like, right back into it here in, like, 10 weeks. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Steve is up on Cofield and Company. Hey, Steve. Hey, uh, I don't work in that, I'm, uh, but I'm 72, and uh, I've had the vaccine both shots. I'd go in a heartbeat. I'm not scared about that. That's what vaccines do. They protect you from that. Candy? If you want to read about a deadly disease, go back in the early 20s. The tuberculosis killed millions. Once they found the vaccine, everybody was up. That's the way I look at it. But look, before I leave, I just want to say one bright spot. Think about this. There is no more uh, flu. Nobody dies from flu now. Right. Thank you. By the way, I, I, we, do we need a bright spot? I, I, I opened the show today by saying, I'm, I'm back, baby. I got my second shot. I'm ready to go. But not everyone is like Steve and not everyone is like myself. Uh, there are going to be some people that have reservations. And it's also a, it's a shock to the system, Candy, right? That uh, all of a sudden you're like, hey, we, like no one can gather. And then 10 weeks from now, it's like, hey, 50,000 at the stadium, 20,000 for a fight. Uh, I'm not trying to come across as like, hey, I'm not into it. I'm on the fence. I got to make decisions. I know the uh, the SO, my girlfriend's going to be totally into it. And I think we've all got to face that decision. Steve says, hey, that's what the vaccine's for. He's ready to go. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. So I'll tell you what, the, the thing that I've seen recently that I read that made the most sense to me about all of this is that coming out of this individually is so much harder than it was going into it. Because when everything shut down last year in March and April, we were all in it together, right? Like we all understood what the task was that was in front of us. What did we have to do? Our, our job to save our generation was, can you please stay home? Can you please stay apart from each other? Can you please wear a mask? Like we were all on the same page. It's what every ad on TV looked like, right? Every ad talked about how we're all in this together. And it's a lot easier when we all have that collective sense of purpose than it is now because we're all on our own. All 50 states are on their own. Every person is on their own to make their own decision about this, right? Every person is on their own to try to figure out what's the best way out of this for themselves. And like you said earlier, Steve, it might be within your own house that people don't agree about how to do it. Well, I think that's going to be the case uh, with a lot of households. 364-1100-364-1100. Jim is up on ESPN Las Vegas. What's up, Jim? You going out to these sporting events and concerts in 10 weeks? Uh, I don't know about 10 weeks, but it's been a while since I talked to you, Steve. Uh, I think the last time I talked to you, I, I think you said I, had, I was one of the callers of the year, but that was a long time there ago. Go. But, uh, uh, I tell you, this is going to be a transition. Uh, the mask thing, I find interesting because uh, I'm, a, I'm a taxi driver. It's been great for us the last few weeks. Uh, and I started wearing the mask religiously right when this thing started. After we got laid off, I, I had to take care of my mom for a while. And I can tell you, about the only thing I can say about the mask is I haven't had a cold or a flu or anything in over a year. Yeah, you know, driving with people in a car all the time, you, just, you know, that's expected two or three or four times a year. So, I, it, the mask uh, when you sit down in your seat, do you need to keep your mask on? Probably not. 
But it wouldn't hurt to have the mask on when you're transitioning into the stadium, out of the stadium, walking down the street on Vegas when it's packed on you know Friday, Saturday night. So that it's just up to people to get used to, and you know there's been people that have been visiting here for years that have been doing that already, so that's fine. But you know, in general, when it comes to venues, I think the you know maybe the days of eighty thousand seat arenas might be gone. I wouldn't mind a Final Four with in a twenty thousand seat arena, or maybe make arenas that used to be sixty thousand lower it down to forty thousand and make a little more plush. You know, better seating and everything else. So maybe the days of having big, huge attendance, now that they're making most of their money on on television revenue, maybe those days are over, but that might not be a bad thing. And, you know, as far as, you know, enjoying the sport, it might be better. So, but everything else, it'll work out. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, uh, and, you know, the mask thing, I'm going to keep using it well after this is over with, just based on, you know, not getting sick for the last year and a half. That's all I got. All right, Tim. Thank you. Go ahead, Candy. What do you got? Well, I actually want to – I know we got some other callers to get to. I was going to be trying to find out a little bit more about our gym's passengers following the mask man. Oh, okay. Because Jim seems to be doing a pretty good job with it. Right. Um, but, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, you know what? We've got more people who want to weigh in, though. I think out-of-towners are going to be a nightmare with it. And I, like I said, I don't know how you police it. People are going to, it's Vegas, man. People are going to want to come here. They, we've already seen reports saying Vegas is open. It's crazy. It's wild. Like we've actually had a pretty strong mask mandate. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the whole mix here. It's, it's nuts. So you got big shows coming up. Uh, things are opening up in June, hundred percent. You got Garth Brooks, you got UFC, 20,000, 50,000. Are you going out to these events right out of the gates? If you can get tickets, are you comfortable going? Isaac. Is in on Cofield and Company. Isaac. Hey, guys. Uh, big fan. Uh, thanks for having me on. But I'm a, actually, I'm a bartender here in Vegas. I uh, work at one of the bigger bigger bars in Vegas, uh, one of the parkways that, you know, we, we thrive on the, the sports and we thrive on the people, the locals coming in because we're not on the strip. And I'm just speaking on behalf of the, the worker side um, that we – we're happy. We're all happy. Um, we do, you know, daily checks. We do. I was actually I was earlier this month. I think about two weeks ago, we had the health department come in, come through the whole kitchen, the whole bar, everything. A plus. We're good to go for the next six months till they come. They come twice a year. But I just want to, you know, speak on behalf of the workers here that we're happy and as a local happy as well you know i'm happy to come yeah. around and go to different bars that we get to go to as locals but um you know certain so certain locals certain regulars are happy they're waiting to get rid of the mask and certain locals are still a little hesitant but um i'm glad we're moving in this direction well it's been a, it's been a rough year for you guys i know in the service industry it sucked there's been so many bars and restaurants that have just been completely closed or the capacity is just so low that you can't make any money. I wanted to ask you, have you gotten both of the shots? Have most of the people, service people around you gotten most of the shots? How much does that play into being happy? Um, it's been a little, both. I mean, the the thing about different parts of the uh, valley, as I believe, um, is weather-based. Like, if there's good patio weather, our patio and our restaurant fills up quick. Right, right. You, know, you know, but if it's windy outside and it drops 15 degrees as yesterday was 87 today it's 77 we're we're dead 
So it just kind of depends on what locals want to do and how they feel comfortable. I know pools are opening up, so if I was off a certain day, I'd probably want to be at a pool rather a bar. So I mean, it's um, it's how locals feel about it, and I know they're going to come around. It's just uh, the tourists when they, when they come around. It just kind of that kind of depends. I'm I'm at the location closer to um, Green Valley Ranch, so it's off the strip, but we still get some people traveling in. And two months ago, I dealt with a uh, a family from Milwaukee, and they just had to get out of their their comfort zone in their area where they spent two weeks in Vegas because the weather was just ten times better here right. than it is there. And they watched, you know, the the opening round of the NCAA, which was what we were known for. So seven a.m. they were having breakfast, which we all need, and. You know, 7 a.m. having mimosas and breakfast, watching, getting ready for some games. You know, that's a, <laughs> it's the best part of it. And um, not not a lot of those cities do that, you know. And so um, I can tell you right now, I've been, I'm a transplant, been here 10 years, but always been in the bar industry. But 10 years has always been, we thrive on locals, we thrive on sports, we thrive on um, visitors. And yeah. I came from Hawaii, which that's visitors as well. But that's ten times harder because you're always on a six-hour flight. You're always on this and that. Vegas, I fell in love with the city ten years ago, and it's the best. And I just hope we just make the right right call on opening up right, and so we don't have to go backwards. Isaac, good job, man. Very good call, and uh, we'll try to stop by and see you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. There he is, Isaac. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Candy, we'll get your reaction on the other side, but let's bang out some more of the callers here. Trevor wants in on Cofield and Company. Hey, Trevor. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. What do you got? Uh, so I just wanted to call in really quick. Um, my dad is a he's a infectious disease expert. My mother was a nurse for forty years. Oh wow! Uh, and I just want to encourage everyone in Vegas to get the vaccine. Uh, obviously, I jumped on it the moment uh, I was eligible. Uh, I've had no significant side effects whatsoever. I got my second dose yesterday, and I feel fantastic. Uh, so I feel like. Sooner uh, we get the bulk of the Las Vegas population vaccinated, we can go back to these sporting events, and, and I have no problem returning next month, uh, considering I've had both doses. All right. Good deal, man. Good, good advice. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. And, and yep, yep. Keep going. One more thing. Yep. Really quick here. Uh, the only thing I want to ask of anti-vaxxers or, or folks that are hesitant to take this vaccine is, where consider your sources where are you getting credible information that there is significant risk with vaccines in general or specifically this vaccine if you're getting your information from you know some random guy on youtube you really got to consider um all the experts and all the medicine and scientific community backing the science the medicine uh as opposed to you know some random guy on youtube which is really the only source where that kind of rumors and hearsay is getting getting generated from. And that's that's all I wanted to say. Thanks, Trevor. Uh John is in next at three six four eleven hundred. Hey John. Johnny, you're up, buddy. Ah, reset him. All right, we'll come back. Three six four eleven hundred. I want Candy to address the uh, misinformation, or at least what Trevor was saying there. And then uh, I, I do want to talk about masking in the future because I think that's gonna be a really interesting scenario. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. Yeah, exciting times around Las Vegas as the uh, city is planning on opening up. June 1st is the tentative date. Could be even earlier than that. 100% capacity. Still asking people to wear a mask. We were just talking about uh, different shows and concerts and sporting events coming up in July. It's going to be pretty fascinating to watch the stadium actually host an event where there's going to be tens of thousands of fans there. Candy, have you been inside the stadium? I have. Okay. <laughs> where, uh, where were you at? Were you at a game? Yeah, it was at a UNLV game. Okay. Um, bizarre, right? Bizarre. With like, uh, you know, oh. a few a few thousand fans smattered around the building. It was weird. Oh, it was it was absolutely strange. It felt like you're in a warehouse. It's going to be crazy. And like I said, it's, uh, you know, I, I think 10 weeks is, you know, really, really fast. So it's fascinating. Uh, other good news today. I saw a lot of job fairs at casinos. I know downtown, the Circa is looking for people. Golden Nugget had a job fair today, so that's a great thing. Uh, I also wanted to say, I'm just rolling out uh, congrats and good feelings here. I also wanted to say thanks to listener Jeremy, who checked me in today down at Cashman uh, for the second shot of the vaccine. Pfizer is what I got, so I'll I'll report tomorrow if there's any ill effects there. But, uh, yeah, things feels better. It feels better. did you want to address what Trevor was saying in terms of the the experts and people who are worried about vaccines and make sure you're you're looking at good sources on the perils of the vaccine? Absolutely, because Trevor made clear that, you know, his parents are an infectious disease expert and a nurse. And he said, get credible information to make sure that, you know, you're you're well informed about this. And whether you get that from the CDC or from the state, uh, you know, he said very clearly that he did not believe uh, that you should be getting your information from someone on YouTube. I agree. If you're going to get your information from a random broadcast, let it be this one. Let it be this one right here. Let it be the one where Steve Cofield went and got his vaccine today. Steve Cofield opened the show today. Las Vegas' most credible sports talk voice told you right here today that he just got his second dose. If Steve Cofield can do it, so can you. Well, that's a lot of pressure. I better show up tomorrow really healthy, unaffected. <laughs> I'm drinking lots of water. That's what the uh, the person who gave me the shot said. Drink lots of water. So I've been doing that all day. So I've been uh, trying to take care of myself. I thought it was also interesting what uh, Jim was saying. That uh, I think it was Jim. Um, about masking in the future. I think that's also going to be a really weird thing to follow. And what it's like, say... You know, six months from now, if you walk into crowded venues and you're wearing a mask, there's actually some pressure to take the mask off. I've actually gotten so used to the mask. I I don't see myself in all situations um, not wearing it. So, but then, you know, again, that's a personal decision and what you feel comfortable with. And just like the vaccine, if you don't want to take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine. But the, the masking thing will be, I mean, I could see, I could see hundreds and hundreds of fans come, you know, next January, February at a game wearing a mask and I don't think there's anything wrong with that there should be absolutely no social pressure when it comes to masking it never should have become a social pressure issue in the first place you wear the mask to save me I wear the mask to save you that's it we're back tonight 
podcast, 9 o'clock local time. Soren Petro from Kansas City will check in. We'll talk a, a lot of baseball and start looking ahead towards the NFL draft. It's the uh, We're Not Blanking Around Here podcast.